Welcome back, everybody. This is Michael Flowers, your host of Flower Bombs. This is episode four. Teamwork. Teamwork. We're going to talk about some teamwork, man. Those are, that's one word, but it's two. And um, I think the first thing I wanted to do is, is just say thank you. Um, very grateful if you're here listening to episode four and if have found your way through the first three. Um, this is the Flower Bombs. This is uh, my platform to try to share with you some of the things that are important to me and work through them together. Um, gonna have some friends on. Always got my dog Sky here is with me. She's taking a nap in the background. You might hear her snoring or something here in a little bit. But Sky Flowers is here. Michael Flowers is here, and it is it's Easter, um, and we're gonna talk about teamwork. And first again, I just want to say thanks for here. You can check me out on Manic Flow. That's my Instagram. I'm also re. Uh, invigorating my youtube channel hope to get this up live pretty soon um and just renamed that from dh6 productions to manic flow obviously um manic flow is my ig and been my moniker for a while flower bombs has stepped in because of a good friend actually a new roommate um one of the Riker brothers Derek Riker, um who was on number one and we'll probably play an important role in this conversation today because we are teammates in a lot of different ways. And um, the focus on team and the things that we're doing in our life and the people we would consider teammates and, and not only that, not only the current teammates in our life, but going back to the uh, maybe the definition of, of teamwork itself, but also I want to kind of take a, a deeper dive into what the word or definition of team means to me and why teams or teamwork became super important to me. So I'll jump right in. I was 11 and a half when my dad died. At that point, as an 11 and a half year old animal, mammal, human person on earth, that, that traumatic event was, I didn't have the capacity to understand what was really happening other than I had just lost my father. I mean, and that, that's kind of enough, right? Um, I wasn't really emotionally intelligent enough to deal with it. Um, I was dependent upon others. And we'll keep the framework of that point in this conversation. The first group or community or team of people that embraced me, my sister, and my mother was my church. Shout out to St. Paul's United Methodist Church in Shawnee, Oklahoma, Pottawatomie County, Oklahoma, um, the Bible Belt. St. Paul's United Methodist Church, they were some of the finest humans on the planet. I tell you, that youth group there, uh, I hadn't... <laughs> Now that I say that, Ed Martin just made his way into the first part of the podcast. I'll make sure to tag him in the Facebooker. <laughs> um, yeah, that youth group, I'll start there. That youth group was, was, was super important to me. And I was given a lot of um, opportunity to be involved because of the community itself. My mom was a stay-at-home mom. She has a degree in home economics. She's not... Um, she ain't just a stay-at-home mom. She's not a stay-at-home human. This is a very active, independent, intelligent, bright, lovely human. Um, but when my father passed, she was forced into this role. And 
had we not had the time given to us by the community of the church, our team, whether it was food or money, or let me tell you, I lived out in the rural country of Shawnee, Oklahoma. I was in the sticks. I didn't come from much. I remember Sunday getting people would just bring over foil wrap casserole dishes that would last us the week. That was how I survived. That was my food. That was my intake. That was my team coming through for me and my family and my mom, my sister. There was also a fund that they started at the church. Economic made things more viable for us to be able to go and make decisions and give us the time and the space. My mom actually got a opportunity to work at the church and became the head secretary there. Started running things as she always does. And, and, and still to this day, God bless her. I'm going to say it. She still takes the most active role in that in the church she's in now in more Oklahoma. And I don't I can't I don't even know the name of it. It doesn't matter. My mom knows her role in that community so well that she defines it, tells people what she's gonna do, does it, and when it gets accomplished, she gets that stuff cooking and moves on to something else. Probably one of the greatest traits I've, I admire about my mother. Her empathy, her ability to do things for others, play her role on the team. What a mentor. That was the first real safety net from a team that I remember. So let's dig a little bit deeper into the definition of teamwork. Found this on Google. Definition of teamwork is when a group of people work together cohesively towards a common goal, creating a positive working atmosphere and supporting each other to combine individual strengths to enhance the team performance. The definition of teamwork is when a group of people work together cohesively towards a common goal, creating a positive working atmosphere and supporting each other to combine individual strengths to enhance team performance. That's pretty cool. We're not alone out there, y'all. <laughs> um, what's, what's a little bit of the history of sports? Well, the history of sports extends back to the ancient world, right? So teams... Um, for me, also, you know, when I think of teams, a lot of people think of sport. We don't always think of church or something like that. And 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 teams played a huge sporting teams played a huge part of my life, especially around that same time because my father and I was starting to develop as an athlete as a young kid, just like most um, kids in the Midwest. I grew up playing soccer and baseball, and and I remember throwing the Nerf football around the front yard with my pops and my local neighborhood folk. That's what we did. Sports and teams, the history of sports extends back to the ancient world. The physical activity that developed into sports had early links with ritual warfare and entertainment, like the gladiator dudes. As far back as the beginning of sport, it was related to military training. For example, competition was used as a means to determine whether individuals were fit and useful for service. The team sports were used to train and prove the capacity or the capability to fight in the military and also to work together as a team, a military unit. Hmm. That's pretty impressive. Grouping physically compatible humans, animals into groups to become better together and work as a team. History of sport. What sport, what's team, what does that mean to you? What, 
When did that first come into play in your life? What is sport? What is teamwork? Well, let's think about the five, the <laughs> who, what, when, where, and why, right? So who, who are, who are, who are, what is a team? Like who, who, what are, what are the characteristics that make up a really highly effective team, right? Well, each team member has to have some emotional intelligence. Effective teams possess not only technical skills, but emotional intelligence. In fact, studies have shown that emotional intelligence is more important than the IQ of each team member themselves. Turns out that if individuals are socially aware, guess what? The whole group puts in better quality of work. There's a study carried out um, Carnegie Mellon in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, or Pennsylvania uh, that measured a group intelligence and how each individual influences. Um, Wooley, who was the professor, placed 699 people in two teams, two to five, and then got them to carry out a series of tasks involving puzzles, brainstorming, typing, negotiating, things like this. The groups were then evaluated on their performance and given group intelligence score. It turns out that neither of the intelligence of the smartest member nor the average intelligence of the groups influenced the overall group intelligence. Instead, social sensitivity the ability to understand the feelings and thoughts of others was more important factor that influenced the overall group intelligence. Woolley measured that social sensitivity by getting participants to identify the feelings of another person by looking at photographs of their eyes. So when it comes to teamwork, social sensitivity, it trumps sheer intelligence alone. And that means that for team members to work well together, you should look at how well-tuned is the emotional intelligence of each individual. A second characteristic to look for would be a good mix of introverts and extroverts, right? You don't want a bunch of the same people. A balance between introversion and extroversion can affect how teams work. As a society, we often think of extroverts as doers and go-getters, superior team players, right? Though the tide towards valuing individual strengths, regardless of extroversion or being an introvert, may be changing, extroverts are still often perceived as being more competitive or competent team members. It's just natural. It turns out, though, that studies have shown that extroverts sometimes do worse than they're expected, and so they lose status and disappoint others, while introverts gain status as they exceed expectations for the groups and participation. In other words, extroverts can create great expectations because of the way they communicate, while introverts tend to undersell the expectations of their work. Neither is better for worse. But a good mix is probably a good idea, right? Although personality types give off certain perceptions, the ability is as groups form, the actual contribution of each member makes the group better. The status of each member gets better. It's just simple. That's it. They share and understand their common goals better. This is also a, a, a great characteristic, or, or maybe the third characteristic is that they can, they need to have common goals and shared ambitions. And if you listen to episode three, when I talked about SMART goals, these, this is exactly what I'm talking about. If you're gonna be as efficient as possible, you gotta have goals. A series of studies on military and tactical teams has shown that efficient group work depends on how team members apply shared understanding of the task. Communication, shared mental model is a word some scientists or psychologists will, Sky, you doing okay? Sorry, this guy's moving around. Just had, had to interrupt a little bit of that uh, shared mental model we were discussing. Um, repeat that back. Shared mental model. It's what allows a team member to anticipate what's needed. 
to complete a task to where you're going next like what what's the next task like if we knocked one through ten out today everybody should know what 11 through 20 looks like right there should be no question and if there is you talk about it you have a shared mental model imagine an emerging response team to get a better picture of this the team members choose their actions without explicit demands made for coordination because they're able to anticipate both what other look i spent sorry to interrupt myself i spent better part of 15 years in spine surgery if people have a shared understanding of what your common goals are if pardon my french if shit hits the fan you don't even have to talk about it you're getting it done you have a shared mental model imagine what it what it takes to be in a triage of a car accident in the emergency room at a hospital talk about teamwork mad ups in a lot of respects for for nurses and doctors another characteristics they make time for humor right humor might not be an obvious factor in the effectiveness of a team but it actually inspires and tr trust and intimacy which leads to better team interactions more trust more loyalty better communication um, there was a study from the University of New Hampshire that found that humor can have a positive impact on several aspects of effective team interactions, including effective communication, development of group goals, group productivity, and management of emotions. Number five, they communicate proactively. This is my number one. They communicate proactively. Communication is obviously important, but what matters is proactive communication, which can be materialized really in four ways. Team members provide information before being asked. They provide support and assistance before being asked. They take team initiative by providing guidance and making suggestions to other team members. They provide updates, creating situational awareness for the other team members. It's similar and related to the, to the same mental model we talked about earlier but they're worthy of mentioning separately because of how important they are. Essentially, proactive communication is what enables the same mental model. Imagine if I, for example, walked into a surgery room for the first time and I didn't know anybody. You better believe I'm walking up to every single person in that OR. I'm letting them know who I am, what I do, why I'm there, and how long I've been doing it. And everything I did prior to the case to get me into that surgical operation room. The pathology, the films, the x-rays, everything I did, you better believe it. The tech heard about it. They didn't need to know, but they know when they turn around and they start helping the doctor that that guy standing behind them that's going to consult on surgery knows what the heck is happening. Proactive. Same mental model. Finally, it's strong leadership at the helm. Even when all the team members fit in with the above, teams still need great leadership, right? The role of the leader isn't only to set an example and motivate people, but also to provide feedback and nurture the soft skills mentioned above. <laughs> Even if you're not the manager of your team, you can still offer constructive criticism to your boss to help them and to try to create a stronger team. And I, I again, I'll end with, with this part of who... who who are the who is teamworks and what makes up the great characteristics of a teamwork of strong teams it it is literally saying thank you being proactive having a strong same mental model you know the six characteristics of why teams are successful are, are i mean i didn't introduce anybody to anything i mean emotional intelligence a good mix of balance some shared mental model some laugh 
They communicate proactively and you have a strong leader. That's pretty simple, right? Six characteristics. That's a good team. Next, I say what? You know, like what is a team? Like, well, Wikipedia there. A team is a group of individuals, human or not human, working together to achieve their goal. That's it. Who's a team and what characteristics make up a team? We covered it. What is a team? Well, who, what, when, where, and why? So when, when are you going to need a team? Why do you even need a team? Well, a team allows you to leverage skills beyond yourself. If you're a producer and there are activities you do that generate a high income, well, then other activities that you do are lower dollar activities that are lower income. Well, a team allows you to put in place people with strengths to use those low dollar activities. You delegate them to them. You no longer need to do the things that are, it's like hiring an assistant, right? You build a team because you constantly are evolving into the more challenging tasks, the other activities that you do that can create greater revenue. And if it's a commercial activity, say medical device sales, for example, you're just hiring clinical reps and new reps and new reps. You have to leverage skills beyond yourself. You got to delegate. Second, a team removes you at the bottleneck. When you work as like a solo entrepreneur, you got to do everything. Trying to make a startup, you got to do everything. You want to try to produce the, you got to do everything. It makes you the bottleneck. It's like, the, it's called the law of the lid in his bestseller called John Maxwell writes, the 21 irrefutable laws of leadership. It just means you can't grow beyond yourself. You're the lid that prevents it. But with a team, you can break that and your personal ceiling can grow, right? A team, number three, a team prevents burnout. So most of us, most creative people or shit, humans experience burnout, that hopelessness or that feeling that nags at you. Like imagine if you had a team to handle all the activities that you hated doing, that's the team. <laughs> Put a smile on your face. Number four, a team brings additional perspectives. Many hard charging producers don't like to think of it at this point, but the truth is there are many perspectives you just don't have that the team brings. It's also true you don't really have, always have the best perspective and other sets of eyeballs can lead to success in areas you might fail on your own. Number five, a team challenges you. Why would you want to be challenged? Well, when you work on your own, you're only challenged by the extent that you can muster motivation and discipline on your own. But when you build a team, those team members will challenge you, especially if they're proactive in their communication. Hmm. That's why you need a team. Lastly, who, what, when, where, and why? Where? Where do you find teams? You find teams in your, in your home country. You got national teams, you got state teams, you got local county teams, you got pro teams, college teams, high school teams, every kind of team you've ever had in your life, you got to have it. You could have teams everywhere. They're all over the place. They build strong communities, loyalty, trust, and it's fun. You can find teams everywhere. Who, what, when, where, why? What's the history? What's the definition? That's the first part of Flower Bombs episode four. I'm going to come back on this next section and talk about my first teams. Some of my first high school, like grade school, youth environments. And move through like some of the things that we, we, we see to motivate us. Quotes, a day-by-day -day look at some of the game plans that team plans do, like in the NFL. And so I hope you stick around. This is the first part of episode four. We're going to come back.
Hey, welcome back. This is Flower Bombs, episode four. I'm your host, Michael Flowers. Thanks for sticking around and coming back. Uh, we're talking about teamwork and touched on the who, what, when, where, and whys and rambled a little bit about characteristics and why you might need a team and some of those things. So I wanted to jump right into this, this back half of episode four and go into some of my youth and the earliest things that I could think, think about remembering. And, and I would just have to start at, at Grove School, Grove Elementary. Um, I think it's outside the city limits there in Shawnee, Oklahoma, Pottawatomie County. And <clears throat> we had a one through eight little country school. Uh, I went through I went through every, you know, kindergarten, first, second through eighth grade there. And then we had a junior high in Shawnee that was seventh through ninth grade and high school was 10, 11 and 12th grade. Um, so my youth and any team sport was um, a lot of it started there at Grove. <clears throat> and the first thing I can remember being, I guess, good at was track. I was fast. Um, but I really, everything was all centered around basketball. And um, finally, I remember getting to the eighth grade and being able to start on the basketball team. And I, man, we had Josh and Jeff Gregson, Jeremiah Patterson, Kevin Washington, that eighth grade Grove Elementary basketball team, Coach Tennell, Coach Savage were there. Um, man, that's those are just some great memories. It means nothing to you guys, but I've been having a good, good 15, 20 seconds of enjoying that thought. Um, really an awesome place to develop as a youth, to have guidance and to have goals and to see um, people above me performing in a way that I wanted to perform. And so Grove Elementary was great, man. I got to play every sport year round, baseball, basketball. We didn't do football from what I can remember. Um, and then also was the YMCA. I think the YMCA was my was where I took that big leap out and started to meet the other kids in town. It wasn't just my neighborhood crew. My neighborhood crew was pretty tight. The Chris Joyce, the the Stevens brothers, Rodney Chin. Um, we're the Gro we were the Grovers. Um, and, you know, in the YMCA, you end up getting placed with some other people on teams that maybe just be in your vicinity or something. I don't know how the YMCA did that. I digress. The YMCA was founded June 6th in 1844 in London, United Kingdom. Um, it's a brief, a little brief history of the YMCA movement. The Young Men's Christian Association was found in London, like I said, in response to an unhealthy social condition arising in the big cities at the end of the Industrial Revolution, roughly around 1750 to 1850. The founder was George Williams, headquarters in Geneva, Switzerland, and the president, the president today is Patricia, Patricia Pelton. Well, that's a lot of peace. The president is Patricia Pelton. Say that. The YMCA was great for me growing up. I played soccer, I think was the first real organized sport I played, and baseball through the YMCA. My first team was a co-ed soccer team at the YMCA. We were called the Tornadoes. In the spring of Oklahoma, that's tornado season. Brian Crowley, Garrett Mahaney, Danielle Janney. Um, boy, we, we had fun. Trevor Robertson, I think we played against guys like Kevin Click, Chris Waller. Man, then there was the Darren Humphreys and the Josh Parsons, the Steve Petries. Damn, those guys were good. Sorry for the cussing. But 
growing up amongst all of that youth. And then, as I mentioned earlier, when my father passed away at 11 and a half, I had a pretty good foundation of teams in my life. I had the, the, the youth group at the church. I had all my sports. I had Grove. And my mom was definitely keeping me there through eighth grade. I thought because I was such a, 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 de a good athlete that I should go out to the junior high and be a part of a bigger team. I thought the junior high team was more important than my Grove team. Uh, God bless my mom. Kept me there. Amazing little place to grow up. But I did finally get to ninth grade. And I got to finally play football. I, you know, I think we played some kind of YMCA football. You could do that when maybe you started in fifth grade, sixth grade, something like that. I don't know. It was real um, unorganized. It was like somebody's dad out there just, you know, teaching us how to hand the ball off. But when you get to junior high, it was a little bit more organized. And I met my one of my best buddies, Tommy Starnes. And I, I want to just digress a little bit about Tommy. Tommy was a very influential person in my life at a time when I really needed some um, wrangling. Uh, yeah, I was 14. I had a motorcycle, legal to drive all over the place. And I was getting myself around. I was pretty free spirit back in the day. And I'll never forget one time in the locker room, I said something I should not have said as a ninth grade kid. And Mr. Tommy Starnes put me in my place. I could get away with some of that stuff in a different circle of friends, but in the locker room, in front of my boys, I nope. He put me on a path that day that helped me guide the rest of my decisions throughout my life. I love you, Tommy Starnes. We were best friends, inseparable. Inseparable. Man, we'd go over to my house before every ninth grade game. My mama cook us up, some, make us some sandwiches, something, you know. We go out, we were the starting free safety was Tommy and the quarterback, and I was the cornerback on defense and uh, the wide receiver. And I think our ninth grade year, if I'm not mistaken, I, we were undefeated. I'm gonna say it had a little bit to do with, with Tommy's mama and her sweet potato pies. God rest her soul. But Tommy put me on a good path. Thank God for that teammate. I needed him in that time of my life because I didn't have my mentor, my father, the guy that was supposed to be my at the helm, the coach. You know, the characteristics we really need, number six, strong leadership at the helm, didn't have there. So I needed my teammates. Got, go, when I got into high school, I, I found some, some other coaches that were able to latch on to me and help me out and guide me. Coach Higgins was very important. We all used to like the way Coach Higgins would say my name. Because he used to call me flirts. <laughs> we'd go out, we'd be stretching. It didn't matter. <laughs> you know, Coach Higgins be like, flowers. How you doing today, flowers? <laughs> Just, you know, you couldn't help but giggle. Um, number four, they make time for humor. Strong characteristics of a good team. He knew how to add that essence. Um, lastly, about Coach Higgins, what I'll say is I never saw a man work harder than him on strategy and communicating strategy to the leaders of the team. He was our defensive coordinator. And on Saturdays, so, you know, Friday night lights, you have your game Saturdays. Doctor, he's in there. You, you might go in for a little treatment or something if you had to do something to go see Sam Aguilera. I think <laughs> that was his name. Um, but they, you, Coach Higgins be there all day watching films all day. Sunday, he might be in there half a day. And when you showed up on Monday, I guarantee you, you had your playbook for the week. It was amazing. 
he had every he had scouted all the plays that they had run like for the previous couple of weeks how many times they ran it what to look for like uh, so much data but Tommy and I used to dig that stuff so much man we used to just talk about it we'd take it to class we'd scribble all over it and he knew that because he gave us a tool to be a good team so that we could proactively communicate and have a shared mental model love you coach Higgins I want to talk about some quotes real quick because I googled some quotes about practicing and performing and I think it's pretty important to just do a little list right now um, number one practice does not make perfect only perfect practice makes perfect number two if you fail to prepare prepare to fail number three success is nothing more than a few simple disciplines practiced every day number four practice is the philosophy of continuous improvement get a little better each day number five no one can teach riding as well as a horse <laughs> no one can teach riding as well as a horse riding for you east coasters and i like that last one a lot um that to me is the guidance right that's number six strong leadership at the helm I don't want to jump into something also real quick. And this also follows up with what I was saying with, with Coach Higgins. I wanted to look at a day-by-day -day, um, like game plan for what I would consider a top-notch team, right? We're talking about teamwork and team. Like, who, who are some of the best teams out there? Well, the New England Patriots are a pretty darn good team. The NFL is a pretty popular sport in America. So here's an article written by Ben Volan. He is on the Globe staff. It was February 1st of last year. So um, I'm just going to fly through this. Thanks, Ben. Here's a day-by-day -day look at how the NFL teams installs its game plan over the course of a week. Monday, corrections. Position coaches grade the game film for their players overnight. Players arrive in the morning, go over the film with their position coaches. Mistakes from the games are reviewed either on film or on the field in a walkthrough. Players get some treatment, leave for the day early, and coaches flip the page to the next opponent in the afternoon and start game planning on their own. Tuesday, game planning. After each coach has done his own research and planning, the staffs meet in the morning to compile the information and create the game plan. Offense and defense usually have separate meetings. Maybe a quarter of the players will come to the building for treatment, do some film work. Well, Tom Brady collaborates with Josh McDaniels on some ideas. Most of the players take the day off, but study film and research of the opponent at home on their tablets. Coaches can send them game plans, video cut-ups, and all the kinds of information with a click of a button. Wednesday, first and second down. The entire team reconvenes early Wednesday morning. In Colorado, the rookies are required to watch film at 6.15 a.m. and in their first meeting was at 6.45. Bill Belichick will address the entire team going over the plan for the week, putting players on the spot with his famous questions like, well, who is the Eagles slot cornerback and where did he go to college? After the full team meeting, the offensive defense meetings in which McDaniels and Matt Patricia, now head coach of the Detroit, get more details about the game plan, what they want to accomplish for the week. Then there are positional meetings in which the position coaches get into specifics of what they want their players to do. At practice, the focus is on first and second down plays. Some of the plays get repped four times, some only once, and then special teams are practiced every day. After practice, there are offensive and defensive meetings to review the practice film. Thursday, third downs. 
Usually the same drill is Wednesday, a full team meeting with Belichick to start the day, then offense-defense meetings and positional meetings with a focus on how the Patriots will approach various third-down situations on both sides of the ball, then practice, then film review of the practice. Friday, red zone and special situations. Again, full team meeting, offense-defense meetings, positional meetings, practice, film review. Friday is lighter as players often leave in facility mid-afternoon. Saturday, walkthrough and final tweaks. The hay's never in the barn, as they say. There are meetings throughout the day and a walkthrough practice to reinforce key teaching points from the week of the practice. Brady continues to collaborate with McDaniels and Belichick about things that need to be adjusted, added, or removed from the game plan. And then Sunday's game time. The game plan's usually tweaked throughout the morning, but if necessary, they got to just go with it because at one o'clock, it's kickoff. A a day-to-day look at an NFL game plan for an opponent. What I love about that is the strategy, how it's communicated, how it's delegated, and they use individual individual strengths to be better as a team. Love that. I heard something someday, uh, the other day, on, I was walking through, I think it was on television, may have been a reality show, I can't recall, but they said, well, everyone's perception of their role in the story is different. And I, I remember thinking to myself, well, whoever said that is messed up. They're not on a good team, because if that's the case, then I don't want to be on that team. You know, I don't need to do life like that at all. I mean, I need to have clear, concise, and meaningful dialogue. There needs to be a cohesiveness, and if there's not, then there's not. I mean, imagine trying to start a weekly game plan with somebody's like, eh, your role, your perception of your role here is a little bit different than mine. So, I mean, that's messed up. I think it was a reality show. So, end of the day, I want to finish this teamwork conversation with just a little reminder about family. If you had to pick your number one teammate right now in your life, top five, if you will, and look down your hand, I'd imagine that that number one or two or three or however many people you got in your immediate family are on there. I know they are to me. Family's everything. And it's forever. Sometimes it's not, because everything has an ending, right? But it's important. And in summary, I would think that Teamwork is important to us all, right? Whether it's church or sports or family or whatever you want to put that type of um, title towards. And it's important. Teamwork motivates unity in whatever environment you're in. It offers a different perspective and feedback if you can communicate. It provides an improved efficiency and productivity if you really work together. A great opportunity to learn from one another, make mistakes, and synergize. We're all walking around, bouncing off each other with our energies. We're trying to do our best to make choices. Why not make choices together with teammates? That's the end of Flower Bombs, episode four. Teamwork, I'm Michael Flowers. Thank you for sticking around. Go do your best in the world. One love.